You better believe it. It's the week that was with Joe Palmisano on News Talk 1480 WHBC. I am so excited to speak to these two men. Have you ever felt like you were up against insurmountable odds? That life was placing a barrier between who you are and who you wanted to be? Has the fear of failure ever led you to play it safe rather than take the risk of achieving your dreams? After 40 years since their days with the Eagles, these two men, Vince Papali and Dennis Franks, have written a book called The Last Laugh, Vision to Victory. And it tells the stories of these two men, their struggles, their failures, their many victories, while giving you a real-life, concrete steps to take to avoid many of the potholes. I am so excited to speak to both of them. And Dennis and Vince, thank you so much for being on the show today. I, I, I'm so excited to talk to both of you. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. Good morning. Yeah, I've had a great time. I've been listening to you guys for about the last half hour online. Uh, yeah, we've been, we've been having some fun and yeah, and also some serious stuff. And uh, but I I I tell you what, I read this book and the last laugh, vision to victory, and and I was thinking, okay, it's been forty years since you guys played. Nineteen seventy eight. I think you both was the last year you both played together. Am I correct? Uh, 79, uh, we went into 79, yes. And then uh, I, w- I was pushed off into the Detroit Lions from there. And then, <laughs> and then and Vince, you... I was put you... out in the pastures. I, <laughs> I had two banged up shoulders. My right shoulder was uh, separated. My left shoulder was dislocated. So I, I visited that world in the NFL that's called the IR, Injured Reserve. Yes. <laughs> and then, you know, the... the the picture of you, the, it's funny because the last laugh is a, is a it, it, it kind of has double meanings because it, the laugh, the, the picture of you two laughing hangs right here in Canton, Ohio in the Hall of Fame while in, I guess it was taken at one of the games when you had won. Um, but why, why, what caused you to write this book 40 years later? Go ahead, Dan. Take a shot, man. You, you, you do a real good job. He's, he, he's a long snapper, so give it your best, buddy. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. Hey, Joe, you know, it was amazing. Vince and I, uh, throughout our friendship, uh, has we, we always have talked about doing a project together, one that could impact so many people uh, from our experiences. And uh, neither of us uh, at the time knew it was going to be a book, but we got together one evening drinking a few beers and the next thing you know we said well why have we made it what makes us so different and uh, both Vince and I you know are, are people persons and we really set our sights high and our expectations are high but we found out that there were several commonalities that we both had and those commonalities were like a universal code they weren't just steps to success they were something that could work across generations and we felt it was something that we needed to do and uh, we both agreed upon it and we identified these seven uh, code uh, that all start with the letter V uh, that's uh, following the Victor's code. And then we got together and we 
put together 30, 32 videos, I believe it was, uh, talking through the different aspects of our life. And then we started to pick up the notes, and then before you know it, we had an outline, and then we organized uh, the, the book, and we began the process. And I will say this to you, it was a great experience for both Vince and I for the simple reason that we were doing this with purpose. Uh, we weren't writing a book to write a book, and the most exciting part of this, Vince, and I know uh, you'll want to comment on this, was after we, we put it together, we said we better test it to make sure <laughs> it works for everybody, you know, in every way, any uh, opportunity that they go after. And we have our Hall of Fame that is in the book, and each of the Hall of Fame members, which were mm -hmm. amazing people, uh, that included Olympic uh, athletes, it included authors, it included actors, it included artists. Uh, it was amazing. And they all had something to say how the code affected their life. And, and so the purpose, with that purpose of changing people's life and giving something back, uh, we went after it, and, and here it is. It's a reality, and we're, we're really proud of it. I have to tell you, when I read the book, and we're talking with Vince Papali and Dennis Franks, and we, we, uh, when I read the book, it was like every page I turned, whoa, here's something new. I kept thinking, all right, <clears throat> as I was reading it, I kept thinking, okay, we're, we've kind of gotten to, we're, we're covering everything. And then all of a sudden it'd be like, like opening up another jar and going, <laughs> wow, here's a whole nother thing. And, and it just kept going. And, and it has, you packed so much information in this, but you did it in a way that was enjoyable, that flowed. I especially liked uh, the part about, and, and we'll get into this. But I, I'm going to move on. I'm going to step back a little bit. And then we're going to talk about what I liked about the book and how it all fit. But I think it's important to step back for a moment. Dennis, you played for Bo Schembechler at Michigan. Yes. You were all Big Ten center, first team all Big Ten center. Uh, even though you thought you were a linebacker, according to the book. <laughs> right. And Woody Hayes was actually in your home three or four times. I don't know how you resisted that, but you did. Uh, and then, Vince, you were star in track and field at St. Joseph University in mm -hmm. Philly. Yeah, it was a college then. It was, it was an all-male uh, college with about uh, 1,600, 1,800 students. Okay, and then yeah. you played and world. You, basketball. Okay. Jack I, Ramsey. Remember Jack Ramsey? Yes. Well, Jack Ramsey was the head basketball coach and the athletic director <laughs> when I Went to St. Joe's back in the late 60s. And you were a star in the pole vault, hurdles, I guess, yeah, long jump. Nice. I did all the jumps except for the high jump. Forget that. But I did long triple and high hurdles and let all, I, every, every, uh, every event show I would do five. I mean, every meet I'd do five events. Wow. So, you know, it was a mini decathlon, I guess, the pentathlon, the beginning of it for me anyway. And then you played in the World Football League yeah, sir, for the I Philadelphia Bell. Just lost the pad. Just, just uh, lost our head coach, Ron Wauer, um, who was who was that? He was one of the guys that gave me that first shot. You know, when when the dream started coming, and I'd come off uh, 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 an aborted attempt at, uh, at qualifying for the Olympic trials in the decathlon. Um, you know, I took a shot at, at at another leg that had just opened up, and Ron Wauer was that coach, and 
he was actually a fascinating guy. Played for the San Diego Chargers. We just lost him last week, so right, rest so. in peace to a guy that gave me the shot at the dream. Yeah, and and so now we go to 1976. Dennis, this is your second attempt at trying out for the Eagles, correct? Yes. Uh, got through the 75 camp, made it to the last cut, and uh, then uh, there was a decision made that uh, I would be expendable. <laughs> it was a big disappointment. Yeah. But then you, you were, get... But, you were but, retired before you even played, right? <laughs> right. But, but, hey, listen, that, that's a big lesson, you know, going after it, thinking you're going to do something big, and then all of a sudden it's taken away. Yeah, and that goes into, the, you know, that's just like kind of like the first step in your life and in the book and all those things because the failures and then the next year you came back 76 and and that's the year Vince came in also after after a tryout with Dick Vermeil um and you no, wasn't a tryout with Dick Vermeil. Oh, okay. I thought no, it was. No, I'm gonna. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, I'm gonna. Uh, there's a disclaimer on that one. I'll put an asterisk. asterisk oh, good. Thank there. you. Some, yeah, somehow Wikipedia says that I had a private workout with Coach Vermeil. That is not true. What happened? I, just like you saw in the movie, there were several hundred men there, and uh, and, I, and I came in. Actually, I came in late for the tryout because um, they were already stretching because I was so excited before the tryout to be in the Eagles locker room where I was a season ticket holder for that, for that team for 10 years. And I was in that locker room, and and I wound up wandering around, and I went and I wound up over in the Phillies locker room, and and then when I came back in the Eagles locker room, everybody was gone. They had all gone to go over to the other field, JFK Stadium, where they used to have the Army Navy game. That's where the tryout was, and it was a subterranean um, uh, field, and the only way you could get out if you didn't know how to work the ramps was to go to the elevator, and I couldn't find the elevator. <laughs> Remember wow. the elevator day? So you must miss a tryout. Yeah, so next thing you know, I was, oh, my God, and I'm in cleats. So I, I finally get the elevator, and, and I sprinted across about a quarter of a mile, half a mile to where the other field was, and I go, get sort of like go skidding across this uh, this cement track they used to have there because they had stock car races in this, in, in this <laughs> place. And, and Vermeil looks at me, and he sees 83. What's the problem, 83? And I said, I had some equipment issues. You know, I mean, I just had a freaking jersey. And, uh, <laughs> but... But it, but it caught his attention, and uh, and, and when, when you know it, you know, I popped that 40. So, no, it wasn't a private tryout. Okay. That's the short story long. All right, so now you get you, you both end up in camp. Right. It's it's both your first times. You're both rookies now. Mm-hmm. Did, yeah. did you guys room together? Sure did. Training camp, not in the, not in the, we didn't start rooming, Dennis, right until, until after training camp. And we, somehow, I don't even know how we were paired up, but... You know, we get out there for the the, the first uh, regular season game, and boom, I got I got this freaking center as my roommate for crying out loud. And and I, the the movie depicts Dennis, you not really liking Vince, or or kind of looking. I mean, there's a difference in age. Vince was thirty at the time. You were twenty three, I believe. Correct. Um, and so there's a seven year difference. You're an all Big Ten player. Vince went through this public try. Vince went through the that public. Wasn't all Delco Barley. <laughs> <was, laughs> so, how how did you perceive him? Well, you know, the story goes back even further. Uh, Vince and I first met uh, when we were floor control engineers. Um, what does that mean? Bar. Uh, and most people know them as bouncers. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, 
and uh, it was the hottest place in uh, Philly. It was called Fran O'Brien's, and um, uh, Tommy Elpaw, who was running the joint, gave us an opportunity to work in the off seasons uh, between uh, for me between seventy six uh, seventy five and going into seventy six. And Vince came in and he started working uh, the door and so forth. And he said he was going going to be a Philadelphia Eagle, and and I told him right off the bat, I said, "You're too pretty to be a Philadelphia Eagle," <laughs> you know. And so we we weren't the best of friends that at at the moment, but there was a certain amount of respect because we trained together, and then uh, our linkage got together really well. When one night uh, we were in a position where we had to uh, fight literally back to back against uh, quite a few people at the uh, restaurant bar, and uh, we came out even though uh, we got sort of beat up. We both started laughing after it because we got the people out of the bar, and from that day on, we've been the best of friends helping one another through our trainings. Uh, Vince helped me tremendously in, in running better, more efficiently. I worked with Vince, helping him to lift and, and become a stronger uh, wide receiver where he really dominated on the special teams. Uh, yeah. And we just never were inseparable from there. That's And, and, and now, you the, the whole thing with the white knuckle, mm-hmm. did that actually happen? Yes, it did. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you how it happened, because, you know, being the smallest center in the NFL, when I came in uh, in 1975, there was no one uh, that was smaller than me. Uh, I came out of Michigan at about 245, uh, being a center and going in the league. I guess the closest one at the time was uh, Mike Webster coming out of, uh, I believe, was it Wisconsin? Or, uh, I don't know where he came out of. I, I can't don't know where remember. he came. Well, we know where he played, of course, in your hometown, Dennis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And he was like 260, and he went on with a greater career. But anyway, coming in, it was just something that I had to learn. I had to learn more about how to be quicker. I had to think better. I had to use my power-producing angles. And one thing I learned was reading uh, the knuckles of defensive linemen uh, because they usually outsized me in every facet of uh, you know the plays so i had to really understand that and and when vince was coming off the line and so forth you know he'd get stuffed every once in a while and i said listen you know you got to see you got to look be aware don't just look at the person's eyes look look at their heels look at their fingers you're going to see the white knuckles then if the blood comes back their weights back then you can get you know right into them so that's how it all started yeah it's definitely true and then it turned into a the, actually it turned into a, a a tackle in, against the Redskins that caused a fumble that Dennis you recovered, correct? Yeah, that's how, how it all worked out. It was the most amazing thing. Everything changed in our lives because both Vince and I, we talked, we'd visualize, we, we'd say, how can we make a difference? We made the team, but that's not enough. How can we make a difference? And Vince was probably one of the fastest individuals I ever saw on the field uh, at the time. And, and uh, he just, when he got his strength going, he got smarter. And next thing you know, it was just a bullet coming off the line, going down and covering kickoffs and punts. And I find it odd. I read somewhere that, and Dennis, this is this is kind of ironic to you, I guess. But how did you feel about App State watching the movie Invincible <laughs> the night before they upset Michigan? <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, you, you know what? That, you you just hit below the belt. I mean, uh, I'm sorry. I'll tell you what, the, the biggest hits in my life uh, have been the App State lost, and uh, in my college career, the only two games I ever lost was to Ohio State at, at Michigan. Yeah, but I mean, the fact that App State used Invincible. <laughs> <laughs> to to motivate them to beat Michigan was kind of like did you you had to call Vince and say hey what, hey. what is going on here hey, you'll love this I in my I, I speak uh, yeah I, I, well, I I think I speak anyway I do a lot of <laughs> I, I do a lot of appearances around the country and I actually have a slide of the Sports Illustrated uh, cover that has App State you know upsetting Michigan uh-huh. and I mess around with it you know and I said this is the funnest part of the movie you know the impact that it's made on people. And teams are using it as a motivational tool. And, and I always tell the story, you know, I said, they didn't watch Rudy, they didn't watch Rocky, you know, they watched Invincible, man. And, then they... and, and, and I said, you know what, and then I always say, you know what, my Michigan watching, you know, people look at me dumbfounded. I said, Titanic for crying. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. How was training camp that, because I, I played, hard. I played football in the 70s, and I played about the time you guys were playing, I was playing uh, college football at, at Iowa State, and I was playing under Johnny Majors. Mm-hmm. Um, wow! And so those guys were 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 sick men. Um, <laughs> you know, no water, popsicles, uh, all kinds of stuff. But anyway, I, I'm going back, and I'm thinking, camp under Dick Vermeil had to be the toughest thing in the world. Look, it wasn't Hell Week for a Navy SEAL, but um, for anybody that I I never never had a a, a training camp before, an NFL or any kind of a camp, other than one year of high school football, you know, and I had the the World Football League, which wasn't all that difficult. Danny will tell you, you you know, those first, first of all, we went to, there there were six preseason games, and and, uh, the first preseason game wasn't until like the end of July. Dennis, remember, we went to training camp on July 2nd. Right. Wow. Absolutely. I remember that. Yeah, like and the yesterday. July and Coach from Mills running. What's all that noise going on over there coming out of Philadelphia? Our training camp was at Widener University, which was about 8 or 10 miles south of the Philly airport. He's, what's all this noise? How come these planes are flying overhead for, on the 4th of July? For crying out loud, it's a bicentennial celebration of the country. You know? <laughs> and, you know, here's a guy from the West Coast. That, well, Daniel, how about the first 13 practices, double sessions, two-and-a-half, three-hour practices, full pads, thud tempo, and we went 13 straight days until we got our first break. And you were talking about no water. We were allowed to get water, Joe, but it, you had to wait until the break. You couldn't unbuckle your chin strap. You couldn't take your helmet off. And so they would have water breaks, you know, because, oh, my God, you don't want to drink any water because you're going to cramp up. Right. <laughs> I remember that. They definitely had it backwards. And, you know, even some of those nights we went back out uh, in the evening in shorts to, in some days, doing uh, three, three a days. And, you know, playing at Michigan, we had some tough camps. But this was like crazy because Coach Vermil coming in with his her- first head coaching job in the pros, uh, he just needed to, to make it make a showing coming into his first season. Yeah. And, and so it was just crazy. But the one thing he understood is that uh, in the evenings uh, he allowed us to hydrate. I think one of the first things that I said, the pros are different, he had a keg of beer uh, in the uh, dorm. <laughs> so, that is different. Yeah. That is different. Hey, I, I want to uh, – we have to take a break. 
we we have to do news and we have to do sports and we have to do that. So it's going to be a little bit of time here. But when when we come back, I want to switch gears and get back now after people have heard some of the stories and everything. I want to get back into the book and and what you're trying to accomplish in it. Uh, some things that I loved about it, and I, w- I want to get into that with you. Yeah. And if we could, before you go on that break, could we go back, because Dennis brought up this really good word, and it's called commonality. And our commonality goes deeper than just being athletes, because it's, it, it's yes. a discussion that you had had with one of your callers just earlier before I came on the air with your background and where you came from and where our parents came from. It is the greatest story between Dennis's parents and my parents and it was that commonality that made us, and that's why that relationship that we have today for 40 years is so strong, because it all started with those parents that we had and where they came from. So if we could just touch for a second on that, I'd really like to do it. Oh, we'll do it. When we come back, we'll start there, and then we'll get into the book. I, I thank you guys both so much. This is uh, Dennis Franks and Vince Papale, uh, two outstanding men who have been at the peak, They've been in the valleys. They've come back up. They keep fighting. And we're going to talk more about their book, The Last Laugh, Vision to Victory, in their lives right after this. You'll be excited to hear it all. It's The Week That Was with Joe Palmisano on News Talk 1480 WHBC. Yeah, we are continuing our discussion with Vince Papali and Dennis Franks. If you've ever seen the movie, if you haven't seen the movie, you need to, Invincible. This is, uh, these are the real life people behind that movie and two great men, really outstanding guys. And and, uh, I want to thank you. Vince, we left it with, we were talking about the commonality. We were talking Mm -hmm. about, uh, both of you came from, uh, had working class fathers. Absolutely. Had grinded yep. out, grinded out kind of fathers, mm-hmm. and 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 both of you had athletic mothers, really athletic mothers. Um, I believe that's true. Uh, you have great research, yeah. Well, you know, it stuck with the moms first. You know, Dennis can tell you more about his beautiful mother Inka, uh, the the Olympic uh, Olympic figure skater from Germany, and my mother was a professional baseball player that traveled up and down the East Coast playing hardball uh, during the 30s prior to the war, basically a barnstormer. Wow. And, uh, you know, my father, and I know Dennis's father, was a soldier military guy over in Italy. My father's father came over on the boat, you know, 1914, uh, a, a, a legal immigrant, and he, and, he, and he came over and, you know, had to do what he had to do in order to get his, to get his citizenship, and he actually wound up being a, a pig farmer. And uh, one of nine children, you know, one of nine people, they, they had nine children. My mom was, was nine, one of nine from English descent. My great-grandfather, a coal miner in England. And, uh, you know, this, this is where I come from. You know, my mom and dad never got beyond the eighth grade. Uh, they got caught up in the Great Depression, World War II. My dad didn't go to the war because uh, he was legally blind in one eye because he got lying in his eye cleaning out the, uh, the outhouse. They didn't have running water in their house, you know, in the farm. And, you know, these kinds of stories, this is my background. This is where I came from, growing up in a housing project, you know. And, and, and I think that is, that's what's enabled me to, to, to maintain a certain amount of humility and, and also 
uh, you know, the grassroots where we came from. But you know, the great thing was, and I'll let Dan pick up after this, is when we made the team, our fathers, our fathers were inseparable. The two of them together, uh, we would take them on the road with us. Uh, the two of them together, uh, pregame, whatever it was, was just something to behold. Uh, that, that's a book unto itself. If, if, if oh, I bet that was neat. Write that book, right? Then. So all you hear is, buddy, tell us about the great Tom, man. He was awesome. Uh, well, without a doubt, they became inseparable. And I guess the best thing about it, uh, my father, uh, Italian, uh, his father came over, and he was a butcher, and they landed in the Pittsburgh area. My father was one of eight. He had uh, the youngest. He had seven sisters. And uh, the interest thing about it, uh, he was a go-getter, but during the service, um, he met my mom over in Germany, and mom happened to be like the number one athlete in Germany as a figure skater uh, at the time when Hitler was reigning, but um, as much as uh, she was off to be the number one person from Germany in figure skating for the Olympics, Hitler held her out that year. Uh, she was the national champion, uh, but she was also the national champion in uh, high hurdles, uh, uh, as well as high jump and in wow. butterfly swimming. Um, she was uh, an unbelievable person who loved to be active. Um, when Dad got over here, uh, uh, his father changed the name from DeFrancesco to Franks, and then uh, Dad got a job in the steel mill, and he worked 45 years with U.S. Steel. And we lived in a small community called Clareton, Pennsylvania, on a river uh, outside of Pittsburgh, and the Deer Hunter, the movie Deer Hunter, was filmed there. Mm -hmm. Uh, also in a row, uh, row homes, and uh, but it was the greatest thing in the world, you know. And there's one thing that my father said and taught. He said, "Never forget where you come from, because you may not be able to find your way home." Wow! And uh, it was important for us, uh, for me, to remember that. Don't ever get too big for your britches. <laughs> and that prepared that prepared you for all the things that you've gone through. By the way, my wife graduated from Bethel Park High School. Dad. No way! I swear. <laughs> oh my gosh! <laughs> Blackhawks, all right. That yeah, is such yeah, a I'm small world. Off. I'm going to back off this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, yeah. be, I'll be back in ten minutes. No, that's okay. I, uh, Origin Black Attack, yes! See, I, right. I, I met her in Pittsburgh. I lived there for a while. And I, I looked and I said, Kirby! Dennis graduated from Bethel Park. She said, no way. She always talked about Bethel Park and how it was a campus and how you had to go swimming and then you had to walk in the yep. winter across to another building and all that stuff. Absolutely. It was uh, it was amazing. We moved from Clareton to Bethel Park. I thought I died and went to heaven. Yeah. <laughs> Funny story, my dad hit the numbers at the mill and we were able to buy a house. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a house it was on a cul-de-sac, boy! That was living. yeah, that's right, Vinny, you got it. <laughs> Absolutely, oh yeah, man. I, we, I, I still remember listening to Bob Seger with you and your brother in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's <laughs> great. Those are great stories, and you guys have remained just like I have with all of my teammates at Iowa State. You you build a bond, and through battle, through fighting against each other, through fighting together against others. There's a bond that is built that that is is so strong um, that it lasts this, the the test of time and everything. And you guys have done that. Now, I have to tell you, and we're again we're talking with Dennis Franks and and Vince Papali and uh, 
Vince Papali, played by Mark Wahlberg in the movie. Who played you, Dennis? I can't remember. <laughs> well, listen, I, probably because, you know, I asked for The Rock, you know, I asked for some, you know, high name, but, you know, I got a super guy by the name, uh, you, most people probably know him, Stink Fisher. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, <laughs> I know that name. <laughs> <laughs> Stink, Stink was a great guy. He played football at the University of Minnesota, and uh, he's he's been in a lot of football movies, but he, in the small part I had and, and what I did, um, he he studied my likeness, and he did a great job. Yeah, it was, it was really, it's amazing, and, and this book that you've written is amazing also. And I, I have to tell you, you're, you're both brutally honest about your lives in this movie, in this book, and I think... I think that's so important, and it comes through, and it, it because you're not talking about, oh, look, guys, we made it, we this is how you get there, we're on the top of the mountain. You talk about the valleys, you talk about the problems, uh, especially the, the failures. And my two favorite chapters in the book were both of you, Vince's part where it says Vulnerable to Invincible, the title. And then your your chapter in there, Dennis, where it says busting through barriers. And yeah. I don't want to give away the book, but but what did you, each of you learn about yourselves after football was over? Well, it's, it's called introspection. And, um, you, you know, you're, you're like, Joe, you know, you're an athlete, and I know you've had your ups and downs. How's your health, by the way? Everything's good, I hope? Well, I, I, I'm dealing with, just like you did, you dealt with colon cancer. Right. I, I was dealing with prostate cancer, and that's a lifelong thing. I mean, yeah. you have to, I get my PSA every six months, but right now I am absolutely wonderful. Wonderful. And you, I, too. Well, a lot of it, you know, a lot of it's because of attitude, you know, and we talk a lot about that in the book. It's obvious that that you're that way because you have such a positive attitude. You can just feel that as we're talking to you. And, uh, but, you know, with, um, you know, with me and us and, you know, uh, looking back and when you're, when you're playing ball, man, even if you're banged up, you're in pain, you're this and that, you might be losing more games than, than you're winning. But, you know, from a personal perspective and, and, and looking at yourself and saying, you're at, your, you're at the pinnacle, you know, and, and it's such a high. And then all of a sudden, it's taken away from you, and it's not money, you know, and a lot of people will talk about, you know, oh, I miss the guys in the locker room and this and that. You know what it is? It's, it, it's that you've, you've, you've taken yourself and you've got yourself to that level, and then all of a sudden it's just no, no longer there. Now, then what's next, you yes. know, and, and that's daunting, and, and it's intimidating, and it's scary. And, uh, and you find out that, you know, you sometimes think, oh, I can, I can handle anything. I can do it by myself. And the biggest mistake is that you have that, you have that idea. You can do it yourself. And you better surround yourself with a good team and guys that are positive. And Dennis and I went through that, you know, and, and we, we were at the top of Everest. And then all of a sudden, my wife, Janet, always says, you meet the same people on the way down as you do on the way up, you know. <laughs> so and, true. You know, and, and, then, and then here we are. And it's not like it was easy. You know, we both, we, we, I, you know, I had another marriage fail. Uh, you know, when I look back at it, you know, I was probably just as culpable in the reason why than anybody, you know. But now, finally, you know, got it right, um, and, it, and it came before the movie. And, it, you know, it's having that right partner in your life. And, you know, my wife, Janet, married 25 years. I'm looking at her jersey. She was on the USA Gymnastics team, wasn't a Giants fan. A Giants fan is portrayed in the movie, but we needed that humor and conflict and stuff. So, 
you know, that's the way I look at it. And, and, and to me, uh, writing this book and, and, and sharing that with Dennis, I mean, we've always shared stories, but we never really got that deep. And then we're sitting with that. We, really, we had a great uh, co-author in Bonnie Grant, and, and, and she, she was, like you, a great conversationalist, a great interviewer, and she would ask us questions to just there were thought-provoking questions and i never even thought about you know <laughs> and it, it was it was over a period of time and then here we are boom and it's out and and it's and it's in prose and you know we're, we're selling this damn book pretty darn good <laughs> <laughs> hey by the way it is available on amazon.com and shop.com <laughs> i was going to ask you that yeah i that's where i got it through amazon and i got it through uh uh you know, and read it on on my Kindle, which was uh, Kindle Reader, which was outstanding. And I the only way to read a book I, oh. nowadays. Yeah, I said I turned the page. I really didn't. I just clicked the button, went to the next. <laughs> one. Hey, you know, Joe, I want to just uh, add on to what Vince said. A hundred percent correct. Uh, t- totally, all those great lessons. And there was a couple other things uh, that both of us really understood. And um, from playing with the Eagles uh, and playing uh, even before that at Michigan. And, and with uh, a former at Bethel Park High School coach, Rudy Andebaker, a former Pittsburgh Steeler, uh, we learned you're only as good as your last Sunday or your last Saturday or your last Friday night. Uh, people forget very quickly, so you've got to stay on top of your game. And, uh, you know, staying on top of your game means you can't let up. You've got to continually strive to get better on a daily basis. The other thing is is that we both embrace the challenge. Um, um, and, you know, the one thing is we want to be challenged because both Vince and I are willing to pay the price uh, through training and preparation. Uh, you know, just listening to Vince, you know, uh, speaking and, and knowing what he knows and then our experience combined just takes it to another level. But one thing that have taken me over the top in some of my biggest challenges of my life has not only been this background, this athletic background, being uh, coached by some of the greatest people and having wonderful parents, but the continuation of the people around you. Um, they are so important. Uh, if there's one thing I can say to everyone, you know, you are usually the culmination of the five closest people around you. Uh, so choose well. Um, This is one thing that helped save my life at one time uh, in my life. So those are just the only caveats on top of what Vince shared already. Yeah, you even go into detail listing the people you should avoid. Which, which I thought was great. I mean, here, here you identify the people in your life that can cause you to fall back, the naysayers, the people like that. The naysayers, the doubters, the dream killers. Yes, they are. And and, and you know what, Joe, that's another thing I do when I'm speaking. I have a PowerPoint. Who are the naysayers? Hey, you can't do it because you don't have the skills. You don't have the experience. You're too small. You don't have the pedigree. But you know what? It it comes down down to three things. It comes resentment and and, and insecurity, and insecurity is fueled by jealousy. And, and, And that, to me, that's the trifecta as to why people are constantly badgering you. When you want to do something and jump away and get out of that supposed box, you know, I call it the bucket of crabs, get yeah. away from those crabs trying to pull you back into the bushel. And, and uh, you know, you, got, you just got to eliminate the negatives in, in your life. And, and uh, as Dennis said, I mean, you know, being willing to pay the price. One of the greatest quotes I ever got when I was trying out for the Eagles, Joe, was from my high school football coach who helped me tremendously 
because of some issues that were going on in my mom at home with my mom's illness and that other kind of stuff. And he gave me this quote when people were busting me. He said, happy are those who dream dreams and are willing to pay the price, willing to pay the price to make the dreams come true. Mm. And the dreams are free, and the price to be paid is the hustle and the grind. As you know, I mean, you know, reading your background and your past and the grind that you face every day now being a prostate cancer survivor and me, you know, a colon cancer survivor, I mean, it is what it is, man. Yeah. Surround yourself with positive people. And and turn and one of the things that, that I've learned in my life, you two, is is that to turn off that little voice. And you talk about that you talk about the vision, you talk about dreaming. None of that is possible unless you turn off that little voice in your head because that little voice is always telling you something negative. You can't uh-huh. do this. I can't do that. And being able to control that and like laugh at it, and it almost sounds insane, but it's almost like sitting back and saying, shut up. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you got to clear clear the screen, you know, you got to get that out of your mind. But you know, I I think we address a lot of that and I think um for the listeners, uh, when you look uh, at the Victor's Code, there's things that Vince and I uh, when we go out and by the way, uh, Vince and I we want to very much do a whole new approach to speaking. We want to be together. We want to go out there and give a one-two punch on a great uh, message that's entertaining, but from a wide receiver and an offensive lineman point of view. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so. I think it's a great point of view. I, I want to ask you this. We, we only have a little bit of time left because I promised you only an hour. and I Only an hour. I wanted you to... Uh, but as you look back, What shaped you and taught you the most, the glory or the stumbles? Wow. Uh, Let me say this. If you uh, understand that you measure success by the obstacles you overcome, it becomes greater. Um, Also, when you think about it, if you don't put a lot into it, victory doesn't mean a whole lot. And so losing doesn't mean a whole lot. It is what you put into it uh, and what you overcome that really identifies the greatness and the success that you've achieved. Um, I guess that's the first thing that comes back. But I, I think without the setbacks, you can't really appreciate the things that have been so positive in your life. Bravo, 53. Absolutely, dude. You agree with that, man. Absolutely. You know, you had a conversation with Sean prior to us coming yes. on the air. And uh, you, you were talking about, you know, with youth and those kinds of things. And, hey, man, we, we talk about fail forward. And uh, you, you learn what you learn because of those mistakes you've made. And, and right now, our youth are being so coddled that they're afraid to allow these kids to fail for because, like, they're saying, oh, they're so fragile. They're not fragile. They're tough. You know, and let that toughness come out. And, and, and that's why Dennis and I, you know, I mean, so many times we tried and we're told we couldn't do it. But I think that's that common bond. You know, it wasn't just athletically. It could have been because of our background or ethnicity, whatever it might have been. Or you can't do that. And it was when those and, and when and, and, and as you read in our in, in, in with our Hall of Famers, that almost every one of them to a T is one of the what's the, one of the biggest motivators they have when somebody tells them 
they put them in a box and they tell them you can't do it because of this or that. Amen. And it all goes back to those naysayers, doubters, and the dream killers. Absolutely. And uh, to me, you know, that that's one of the biggest motivators. <laughs> and I think uh, just taking risks. You know, look, man, as a kid growing up where I grew up, you know, that's how you ha- every day you had to take a risk to survive. Mm-hmm. You know, because your parents, you came home and you'd be crying because you just got beat up. Well, that's your problem. That's so true. Anymore. Oh, my God, I got a scratch. Oh, well, let me put you in a room and let me give you some crayons. And here's, here's a binky, you know. And oh, my God. You know, what are they doing to our kids? I know. I, I, trophies. Let them go out. And, 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 you know, fall down and dust themselves off and uh, get back up and, and, and move on. You are preaching to choir. I talk about this every Saturday on the show. And isn't that what the book, The Last Laugh, Vision to Victory, is all about? It's all about, when you really boil it all down, it's about getting back up. Oh, yeah. Big time. Make, effort. Make second, third, fourth, fifth effort part of your personality. It is very simple. You know, you don't always get it the first try. And it doesn't mean you're a failure if you don't. Failure is an event. It is not a person. You know, so just just go on. Move forward and surround yourself, like Dennis said, with that great team, those five people. Absolutely. And it's all about the experiential learning. And when you really think about it, Joe, you you bring a great message to so many of the listeners out there because you have a way of bringing the best out of the people you interview. So I'm going to just say, carry on, and I'll look forward to listening more to you online. (laughs) In the book, The Last Laugh, Vision to Victory, is is your story. It's a a cathartic adventure through your lives, and, and basically imparting all of the knowledge that you have gained over the years through failures, through successes, and everybody else you bring into the book. And it's really a a, a, a kind of a step-by-step guide of what to avoid, what to do, how to do it. It's a great book. You guys did a tremendous service writing this book, and you're two amazing men. Uh, You could get this book, The Last Laugh Vision to Victory, on Amazon, on where else? Well, shop.com. Uh, you can just go to shop.com and put in the last laugh, and you'll come to the page. And you can also get it at uh, your area bookstores. They can, If they don't have it on stock, they can get it for you. But uh, it's pretty much available everywhere. Folks, you've got to read this book. It's amazing, and it's two men who have, who have been there who have absolutely been there at the top, the bottom, and back up again, and the whole thing. And, and Vince Papali and Dennis Franks, I, I, can't, I can't thank you enough for spending an hour with me. You, this has been a blast. I have looked forward to this. Um, you're two amazing men, and congratulations on your life. Thanks, Joe. Merry Christmas, buddy. Thank Merry, you very much. Merry and Christmas. thank you, Joe. Thank, you're the best. Merry Christmas to both of you. All righty. Take care. Thanks, bud. Bye. Dennis Franks, Vince Papali, the uh, inspiration behind the movie, inspirations behind the movie Invincible with Mark Wahlberg, and their book, The Last Laugh, Vision of Victory. It's such a pleasure having those guys on. Stay tuned. The week that was, we'll continue right after this.